I am ready. Okay. Welcome back to A Fearful Earful. I feel like it's been a very long time because a lot has happened. <laughs> I moved. I hope I had to moved. go back to work in person. Yes, you did help me move. And he sat in a truck with me while I pulled a trailer, tried to back it up in an apartment complex. That was a heck of a time. Yeah. See, he was not there the night before, though. It was my mom and my sister, and I had to make them both get out of the truck. Because they kept, like, freaking out, thinking I was going to hit something. And then my mom was like, Jordan, it's not turning with you. It's not turning with you. Oh, my gosh, you're going to hit something. And I was like, Mom, when was the last time you ever had to back up a trailer? I know she's pulled one, but I don't know that she's ever had to back one up. And Caitlin for sure has never driven a trailer or pulled a trailer or backed one up. And I was like, you guys need to like calm down. I know I don't like to admit it, but I was raised in East Texas. And my papa said I would not succeed in life if I couldn't drive a tractor, drive a stick shift, change a tire on my own, or pull and back up a trailer. So they were all things that I learned at the age of 12. And which to me is like hilarious because it's like she's like I haven't used these things in a minute. And you're sitting over there like I'm pretty sure you're more of a man right now than me, and I don't like it. Honestly, I, I and the sad part is like I'm sitting there, I'm just sitting there, just taking it on the chin. I'm like, you know what? It's fine. It's a okay. It's like back of my mind. It's like I feel like this could definitely be used in an argument one day. <laughs> like. All I was going to think is, like, I remember, I was like, who's the one that pulled the trailer? And I'm like, you know what? It's okay. Nobody needs to know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, oh, we have to tell people about the guy with the accordion. Oh, my God. <laughs> I tweeted about it, and so many people messaged me on Twitter, and were like, that didn't happen. That's not real. And I was like, yes, it was. <laughs> Yes. It's like misting. And there's this guy. I mean, it was not cold, thank goodness, because I moved on New Year's weekend. So literally New Year's Day. Well, no, it was New Year's Eve, wasn't it? It was New Year's Eve. It was, yeah, because on my way home, somebody sent me a text message and invited me to a party back in Dallas. And I was like, I'm headed to East Texas to drop off a trailer. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's not happening. But thank you for the invite. <laughs> Maybe next year. <laughs> Yeah, so it's misting. It's very warm, but it's raining nonetheless. I am pulling into an apartment complex that I've only been to twice. Uh, I had to find the apartment, and our GPS took me through the back way, and there was a lot of speed bumps, let me tell you. But I went over, like, a row too far, so... And the end of the rows, there's dumpsters, so they don't let out. Like, it's kind of just like a dead end. And so I pull into this row thinking that's the row that we're on. And I'm on the phone with my soon-to-be roommate, Thea. And she's like, I don't see you. Where are you? And I was like, oh, I think I'm on the wrong side. So then I had to, like, back out. And there's just this guy sitting in his car. In the back seat, he wasn't even in the front seat or the front passenger seat. He was in the back passenger seat with the door open, just chilling, 
playing an accordion. And it's like the craziest thing because you like look over, and I was like, I seen him and he was holding, and I was like, no. Nah. And all of a sudden, it's just like you just hear, it, like you slightly hear it playing, and I'm like, what is going on here? It's like I'm back on. I'm like, where's Jordan moving to? <laughs> Because I remember you looking at it and being like, what is, what is that? Mm. And I was like, I think it's an accordion. And then he started playing it. And I was definitely like, yep, it's an accordion. I guess we're just going to unload to the sounds of some dude's polka music. It was just the craziest soundtrack of me, for me trying to back up a trailer to. And then my mom complained the whole time because she had to drive my sister's car because my sister has an SUV, Maddie, the youngest. Mm-hmm. Maddie left her car at my mom's house so that we could use it. My mom has never driven Maddie's car for very long, but apparently she has no lumbar support. And so my mom was, like, trying to sit on, like, bathroom rugs that she'd pulled out of my storage unit. Mm-hmm. And was just like, my butt hurts, my butt hurts. And I was like, well, mom, you're old. So there's that. (laughs) And then since then, I've Snapchat video called her like three times to talk to the dog because I miss him. I am getting my own dog, by the way. I don't think you guys know that. We've been like out here like pushing and everything else to make sure Jordan gets this dog. We have posted on Facebook and I've talked to some really sketchy people. This one girl had some Yorkies, and I'm not doubting that she had some, but she wanted me to sell her the money the other night for the dogs, and then she would arrange for it to be delivered to me, and I was like, no, I'd rather come get the dog and pay you when I get it, you know, and she was like, no, that's not how it works, and I was like, well, then I don't want to go through with this transaction because I'm not comfortable sending money to a stranger when I don't have the product in hand. And then she was like, oh, so I guess you know believe. And I hardcore was like, not with that grammar, I don't. (laughs) Like, okay. And then the Zelle information she sent me wasn't even hers. Like, it was some random name. And then she sent me a picture of her holding her ID, which looked hella fake by the way but i think it was just because of the the lighting Mm -hmm. um and it was like a mirror image so everything was backwards but some of it looked like it was upside down but it's because her name was like an anagram where it was like the same frontwards and backwards Mm -hmm. on her id and it was just very trippy so i stared at it for a long time and she could tell i'd opened the message and she was like it's safe i promise and i was like I have no doubt that you are who you say you are, but this person that I am sending money to is not your account. And I don't know you, so I don't have any guarantee that you're going to give me the dog because you're, you're saying you're going to deliver it to me. So not only do I have to give you money, I have to give you my address. And I was just like, this is 2022. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Uh, we are not doing this. So I kind of had to ghost her because she kept messaging me. So I blocked her. I hate to be that kind of person, but like... You just don't do that. True. Like, that's just... Even to, to, to somebody who is used to living in a small town and does transactions like that all the time, they were not okay with it. Like, there was somebody else that I spoke to and was just like, uh, how do you feel about this? And they were like, mm, no, definitely not. So, 
Anyways, that didn't happen. But then I was like, I need a dog. I need a dog. And I need someone to help me get a dog. And DQ came through. He knows somebody who knows somebody that has puppies. She does have a little bit of a waiting list, though. So she, I think uh, Carrie said that she'd have puppies ready in two weeks and then again in April. Um, But all I know is that I'm on the waiting list and she told me how much they were. And then um, gave me, like, her information and stuff. And she's going to send me, like, pictures and videos and let me pick out one of the little girls, I guess, if, like, I get it. Um, I'm still going to go look in Canton just in case Mm -hmm. um, when they have the swap meet, just in case this doesn't come through. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah. So, because I miss Killer so much, I have decided that I will be getting a Yorkie. And it will become my emotional support animal so I can take it on airplanes with me and on road trips because I want to have it when we go on our road trip. Oh, man. <laughs> Which is fair. So, no. And then Jordan got real bold because she like, Jordan, Jordan will poke, like I, like, I poke the bear, I'll be honest, like all the time. But Jordan got real bold when she's like, if you showed up with a Yorkian hand and she's like, I'm taking you down to the courthouse the same day. And I was like, Jordan, you going to keep playing. <laughs> Until I do it, and you either go, you go have to commit. Well, listen, you don't know how many tax benefits there are to being married, so I could have other motivators. Look. But, look. like, if you're willing to go that extra mile and show up at my doorstep with a Yorkie puppy, we gonna make it work. It's like, it's like I could have other motivators? It's like, it doesn't matter. I got what I wanted. <laughs> Yeah, we all know that you don't need the extra motivation. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> Just be like, like, look what I got. And he'll be like, it's like, it's gonna be like, you're like, how'd you get this? Like, don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. Let's go right now. I got the ring. It's like, it's like, it's like, and we don't really actually know Jordan's ring size. So it's even like funnier. So it'll be like, it'd be a crapshoot outside of the fact she'd be just happy she has a Yorkie. Yeah, I'd be like the Yorkie's my ring. It's fine. I'll get the t- I'll get the ring tattooed on later. Yep. <laughs> it's fine. And she'll be like, and the roughest part about the whole thing is like this. This is just like straight up just going at it. We don't even know if we're like we don't even know if we can live together. We we figured out we can handle we can, we can handle road trips just fine. Well, at least two hour one. Yeah. But it was like it's like I'm, and I said it's, it's okay. It's like you wouldn't see me for like a whole like year anyway, so it's fine. Yeah. And then I made a clip about that being the perfect kind of husband, and he was just like, oof. Yeah, I was like, oof. And it's just like, I'm going to just pop up like one day when I have free time and be like, oh, yeah, that is a thing. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is a thing. <laughs> the only thing I'll be doing, um, I would just like pop up at work, and they'd be like, where'd this ring come from? Don't ask questions. Don't ask. And then there's going to be some kids like, we were waiting for you to wear it because like, they think I'm married, and like I just run with it. And one of them got yeah, to the- until they figure out how to find this podcast and listen to it and realize you've been lying to them. Look, they look, look. One of them, he had, he has the means, he has the name. Just been slacking. <laughs> like, uh, it's it's all good. Coming up, a man said, "Wait, it was like how long y'all been together?" It's like just asking yourself. He's like, "How am I gonna do that?" And I was like, "Like you'll figure it out <laughs> one day, maybe." Like, I mean, like, I was like, Slayton, she came and watched us play Harleton. And, and he was like, what? Yeah, and I stood in the back like a creeper, too. 
Trust me, I'm pretty sure some of them thought you were a student. They weren't worried about you. Oh. Well then. Um, but anyways, going back to me moving, um, so I actually had a lot of friends come out and help me move, and I'm very grateful, uh, for, for them, and in turn, I am, I guess we're all just, like, helping each other move, because Eric actually just moved, which I haven't really helped him move, um, but Melanie is gonna be moving as well, and she's actually supposed to be staying with me until she can move into her apartment, but, the entire time that we were unloading and moving that day, they just, like, kept watching us and, like, didn't say anything until the next day when I came back and they were helping me put together my Ikea dressers because, let me tell you, those Swedish people do not put words on their instructions. It's only pictures. Uh And the three of us, full-grown adults. That's debatable. And the three of us stood at this one page forever being like, what the, what is this? But they came in and I took them out to dinner and stuff. Plus I was craving Korean food because it had been several months since I was able to eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took them out for dinner and they were just like, you two have the same vibe. And I kind of was like, what does that mean? And so Melanie was trying to explain it to me and she was just like, well, like we were walking together, me and DQ and... He was walking beside me, and I literally felt like it was you walking beside me. Because Melanie is, she's, like, very sensitive, so she can, like, feel people's energies um, and stuff like that. Which I think is really cool, because she, like, instantly knows if you're going to be, like, a jackass, and she can, like, prepare herself to handle that. And I'm like, I wish I was that intuitive, but there's that. But anyway, she just kept, I guess, feeling like we have the same vibe. And then the first thing that Eric said to DQ, didn't even, like, say hi, was just like, I better be invited to this wedding. He did. He was like, he's like, he was like, it's like, I'm better invited to this wedding. He's like, and when is it? And I'm like, and like, at the time, I'm sitting there, like, finishing up the fact, like, we got, we had, we, at this point, we have the couch moved in. A lot of the other heavier stuff's been kind of done, except for, like, the beds that we go later. So, like, I'm, like. In my mind, kind of like like recuperating a little bit. I'm like, I'm still fine, but I'm like, what? And then I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> mhm. And he told me he was gonna say that to you, and I was kind of like, uh... I mean, it was never a question of would he actually do it. It was kind of a like, is that necessary? But uh, you took it well. You handled it like a champ. You don't have much of a choice. Oh, oh. So like, I didn't even know about the whole like melody thing. So. And Jordan doesn't know this, and I'm going to feel really bad I'm going to tell you this, but your mom knows. (laughs) So. What? Okay, it's something that they said. So it made no, like, you know, the the whole vibe thing. So at one point, Uh at one point, they they, both of them, like, looked at me, and they were like, so. And I'm like, you stop that right now. I already knew where this is going. (laughs) And they were like, they're like, it's like, so when is it going to, going to, going to, when is it actually going to happen? I'm like, I need y'all to calm down. It's like, it's like we're, we're everybody's chilling. We're all good friends here. It's like, it's like, all right, we're like, we know, we know. It's like, but y'all, like, y'all are like the same person. Y'all like mess so well together. And I'm like, I need everybody to calm down. You need everybody to calm down. I need everybody to calm down. It's like, and she, and it's funny because I'm like, te- I'm like, it's like I said, technically some of this is my fault. <laughs> so like, I, I dug the hole, so I had to live in it for a little bit. Yeah. 
But it was just funny, nah, because they said, like, oh, you know, it's like, all right. But then, like, the funniest part was when they were like, okay, you know, it's like, as long as she's happy and whatever she's doing, like, we're fine. It's like, but if you do something to interrupt the happiness or hurt her, it's like, and then he was like, I'm like, you know, I'm ex-military, so I can make things happen. And then, like, and then, um, Melody was like, is like, sitting there like, and I, I just feel like I could cause some serious harm. And I was just like, and I was like, hold on, hold on. And this is when I, like, I was like, hold on, I gotta stand my ground here. I was like, guys, I appreciate y'all having some good... But I'm just saying, there's someone else out there that's perfectly fine right now. So why am I getting threatened? And it's just like, and they were like, I mean, like, like, like well, we kind of tried. I'm like, no, 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 no. I was like, there's someone else perfectly fine right now, and and I'm getting threatened. It's like I'm just living my best life. It's like if anything, I'm pretty sure I'll get the same talk for dad for no reason. No, you won't. <laughs> Good. Not for my dad. Good. Um, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast yet, but, uh, so, I, I don't think, I actually think I have, because I don't think we've talked about this. So, there was a guy that worked with my dad at the sheriff's office mm-hmm. who was younger, and, okay, so my dad's a little, getting a little old, but not, like, super old, um, but he's been in the military, he's been through the ringer time and time again, okay, like, his body is getting a little old, okay, so when Mm. he first started having to wear glasses, just so he could read, he's always had 20-20 vision, like, he can see to drive just fine, but for whatever reason, he started, just randomly started having issues reading, and man, he was so mad, but he would leave his glasses at home all the time when I was in college, and he would call me at, like, 9 p.m. and be like, can you bring my glasses to work? I can't pass out the mail because I can't read them. Because my dad at that point was uh, a staff sergeant for the jail because he was like, I am too old to be out on the streets anymore. Uh, So he was kind of running the jail and he worked the swing shift, which is 4 p.m. to midnight. And they would do mail after dinner and he would always call me and be like, I left my glasses. But don't tell anybody. So I would have to bring his glasses up there and nonchalant, like, just kind of, like, stick them in his pocket or something so, like, they wouldn't tease him for being old. Which, not that he cared, but it was (laughs) kind of fun to, like, try to do it where they wouldn't notice. And sometimes I'd bring him dinner and I would just sit up there and kind of chat with everybody. Well, um, one of the guys that worked up there was younger and, uh... I guess he had a crush on me. And so he went to my dad and asked my dad permission to ask me out on a date. And my dad was just like, why? (laughs) And not like, why do you want to ask her out on a date? It was a, why are you asking me (laughs) for permission? Why do you need my permission? She's the one you're wanting to ask out on a date. Go ask her. And he grew up in East Texas, so he's very traditional. He's a mama's boy. He actually went into the Marine Corps not long after that. Um, so he's and he just bought a house. Actually, we keep in touch because my dad was in the military as well, so like they're still pretty close. Um, and my dad has a bad habit of like not calling people back, so he'll text me and be like, "Is your dad alive?" And mm-hmm. I'm like, "Yeah, he's fine." He just doesn't talk to people, and you know, this guy's like, oh, "Okay, cool, just checking in." Um, and then, you know, we'll do formalities like, hey, how are you? Like, where are you stationed now? And, uh, he's actually back home and he bought a house. Um, but anyways, so my dad was like, I'm not the one you're trying to date. Like, don't be asking me for permission. Cause my dad's very modern and he's from California. Well, he's technically from Colorado, but he was born in California and 
military guy. He's been all over the place. But he's very non-traditional. And it was so funny. Because <laughs> Levi was so confused. And he was like, I-, I was just trying to do it right, you know. And my my dad was basically just like, bro, you do not even know what you're getting yourself into. She's going to chew you up and spit you out. Yeah, I mean, let's and... be, be honest here. They're like, uh, Jordan told me a story, and I think I probably mentioned it before, but, like, this guy that took her on a date while we were in college, and my man's folded. Oh. Oh, my God, I'll never get over it. Like, when she said, like, man's was like, yeah, I thought, like, kind of, like, goes to her. He's like, yeah, you're, you're a lot, and you're, you're out of my league. And I'm just like, bro, my man's went on one date, and my boy folded. And I was like, oh, my God. I was really upset. Because I was like, we were friends prior to that. And it was just like after that, like he basically just stopped talking to me. And I was like, we have classes together. And I was just over here vibing. And we were talking about books and, and you know, kind of th- things. And like, I had already traveled a lot. And I guess he had wanted to travel or I don't know. But I was kind of really upset because I felt like I lost a friend because of that. And it was, I mean, it wasn't like super, super upsetting. It was just kind of like man, you're really cool. Like, why'd you do that? Like, if you didn't think it was going to work out, we could still be friends, but I don't know. But yeah, so like, that was like the second time I'd been ghosted by a dude because I was too much apparently. And then like, every time I was a designated driver for Tiffany and the other Tiana, um, I would like be sitting at Graham's and nobody would come up and ask me to dance and like, we would leave and they would be like, Jordan, why do you dress like that? And I'm like, dress like what? I'm wearing jeans and combat boots. Like, this is my everyday. And they'd be like, well, guys, keep wanting to ask you to dance, but you look too intimidating sitting there. And I'm like, I'm sitting there drinking a soda. If that's intimidating, like, then they need to grow some balls. That's that lower crop stuff right there. Yeah, I was just like, I'm not even, like, dressed up up. I'm wearing a t-shirt, jeans and combat boots. Like, I don't own a pair of combat. Like, I don't own a pair of cowboy boots. I'm sorry. Okay, I don't either. I grew up in East Texas, but like I don't ride Western very often. My riding boots are English riding boots. Can't even go that far. No, like and I'm so, not, I remember I told Jordan that she like I knew about this, I knew about the first one. And I was like, I was like, you don't understand. I remember when I first like seen Jordan, it was just like I was sitting there and I'm like the polar opposite. Like I seen Jordan and like this is air of confidence. But this is the only time I've up because my thing is it's not even just Jordan. Like I was like this with anybody, and I remember I was talking to our boy Joe Joe Meadows, great man. Who I had a huge crush on our entire college career. This man's a legend. I, I miss that he man. He is. I need to check on. He's him. so smart though. Yes, definitely. But I, mean, I was like, man, I kind of want to ask. And like, I was, and like, and I, I didn't because the thing is, I knew of Jordan Anderson, but I didn't know who Jordan Anderson was for a little bit there. But I remember, um, I was sitting there, I was like, man. Gonna lie. I was like, I might ask you to see the Avengers movie. And then, like, when he called my bluff, <laughs> he's like, bro, you should definitely do it. And I'm just like, I can't. <laughs> it's like, I can't do it. And then man said, what's the worst she can say? No. And I'm like, that's exactly it. It's like, it's like Joe, you don't understand. It's like, I don't. I was like, I'm used to rejection, but it's just the fact is, I can't do it right now. <laughs> I was like, someone's telling me, like, it's not the move. And it's like, he's like, bro. And I'm like, but it was just, like, the funniest thing. But, like, no, like, I see Jordan with confidence. I'm like, yes. Every other one sees Jordan with confidence. They're like, ooh. And I'm just like, like, hey, y'all, y'all, y'all sleeping. It's like, that's the one you want. 
Now, listen, I don't know, but it's funny. I'm over. I like. I'm over competitive too. I'm honestly. I've told everybody. Like, I've toned it down quite a bit in like the past like decade, which is like the god honest truth. Like I can handle losing way better than I could like when I was younger. Because even then, like I could handle it. I don't know. You're pretty butthurt when y'all lose a game. Look, look, that's different. <laughs> I get a Snapchat every single time they lose of this like just sad and defeated like frown of like well we lost <laughs> like that's different i'm not contributing <laughs> as much as i can but it's just like it'll be like we playing teams or i feel like i know we should be able to like hang with or beat like when we like played this team that's like number five in the state and we lost i was like i wasn't like torn up about that one because it's just like you know good team they do some great things they're probably going to state this year but it's just like man it was just a rough one. Like that was that was more of a tired one because it's just like, bro, that game was long. And then like, <laughs> then we lost this past one by three, and it's just like we never led the entire game until like a minute and fifteen seconds left in the game. And it's just like we came out kind of flat, and everything just kind of wasn't working. It's just like, man, what? Do we, it's like, and this past one, I'm like, bro, it's like it's just like we're snowballing. It's like. We went from, like, being undefeated in district to losing three in a row. And I'm just like, what are we doing? And I'm like, because the thing is, this is a team that can go to playoffs, have some success, and it would just be, like, success breeds success. And it's just like, because I guarantee you, if we're successful in basketball and make playoffs, everybody's like, oh, shoot, the basketball team did this. Let's start paying attention to everything else. Or somebody be like, let's come out and start doing everything else. And it's just like. Man, it's just rough. Did you say that in the conversation we had the other night? Yes, I did. I said success pre success. Okay. I knew it sounded familiar, but like I remember half that conversation because I was like half asleep when you called me. <laughs> it's it's all good. It's like and it's just like it's like no, like like you said, but no, like like if you ever like could go back and watch when I played like football with like my friends and pick up, there'd be times it'd be fine, but there was like this one day when I realized I was it was out of control. I remember we were playing and like Jordan knows I don't say, like, really say curse words. And it's just like, but there's a reason for that. But um, there was- and he makes me feel weird when I say one because I feel bad for cussing in front of somebody who doesn't. Yeah, no, like, but it was just like this one day, like, I remember I dropped, I, like, it was like some happened, the past went up, and, like, it barely, like, whipped. And all I hear, I'm like, I drop, like, like drop the, like, drop the word. And I was like, all right, and then something else happened. Dropped another one, and I was like, I was like, and sitting there, I'm like, and I'm like, what the? And it just like, and it happens, and I'm just like, what is going on? And I'm like, and like after that day, I was like, bro, we we have a problem. We need to tone it down. And like, <laughs> and it was just like, but I never got, I would never get upset at really, and like never really got upset at like my teammates. It was just the fact like, it'd be just like drops, like it'd be like stuff that's like I can control, but like no, 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 like it used to be like. Real bad. Like I can handle. Like I'm at the point now. I can handle losing. More about the fact I'll hate how I lose. Like I'll hate losing the games where we lose by like one point or three points compared to when it's like, man, we lost by like fifteen. Which makes no sense to me because I'm the opposite. Like I'd rather no, because I remember I said um I'd rather get blown out and be like, well, there was just nothing I can do than being like. I lost by this amount, and so it's like, I could have just done something. Like It's just like, you know, it's like one thing that could have tweaked it or done something different. Like, a one-point loss stings differently because it's like, man, what if I just tweaked this sooner or did this here 
or it said this here or did something here or they just did this here and it's just like man no i mean i can see that side of it but to me i guess i see like losing by one point or like a free throw or like even in football like if you lose by one touchdown i'm kind of like yes there were a few little things that we could have done differently but like we fought hard like we played a hard good game whereas like you get railroaded and lose by 15 plus points it's kind of like were you even on the court at all like did you even try like that's kind of like where my mind goes and like yeah losing by one point does sting differently and sometimes it does sting more but at least like you did your best and you tried and you fought hard for that those points and you only lost by one versus like having to question whether or not people on your team even want to be there playing because they're not trying yeah no like and i I, like i said i get i like i said yeah it's just the fact like you know it's the one point it's like man it's i was just a shot that like either rimmed out or anything like that and like and it's like you said like it's that's what makes like you said things more like remember when when you came the game to watch us play and i'm just like watching us like battle harder than we ever played anybody all season and then we lost and it was only by like five and it's just like we got to the red zone three times turned it over and we just couldn't score and it's like because the thing was if we scored we win the game like if those nothing that could be done it was just like and it's like but you know like the season's been a struggle and this was the team playing that everybody like the team you had just like blown out by that this team blew them out and you're giving him like the they're giving them like the nastiest dog fight they've had all year. And it's just like you lose and it's just like, bro, that one that one just sucked because like that's the one you wanted. It's just like mm-hmm. to show that like all that hard work and all that stuff that you've been working, it's like that's when you like turn the corner. And like I said, I get both sides of it, because you know, like playing hard and everything else is just like, man, those are the ones that like keep you kinda up at night. Granted, the ones that you lose by 15 will keep you up at night, too. But you're like, man, all right, well, back to the drawing board. And it's like the ones you lose by one, I'm like, shoot, next time we play, I really can't. I don't really need to change much. just need to hope another bucket goes in. You know? You know, like, I can't be competitive. But it's just like, um, I can't, like, the thing is, like, don't get me wrong. I'm going to try to win, like, just about anything I do. But there's, like, times where I'm like, oh, if we're playing, like, pickup basketball, I'm going to give you everything I got. But it's just like. Football's the first love. I felt a lot more comfortable trying to win in a football game. It's like not gonna lie here, and I'm like, yeah, no. But then also like, if me and Jordan play a video game, which I don't know what we'll ever play that we'll both be competitive at. Like I just, I get Mario Kart because <laughs> she don't like Smash Bros. No, no, she she it's no no. I was about to explain it. It's not that she doesn't like it. She's just not the she she just doesn't feel like she's good at it. You you don't even know. Like, I mean, it ain't like you're just falling off the stage on purpose. I'm not falling off on purpose, but I am falling off look, every five seconds. Look, I had a I had a game when I played. Just like I died in Call of Duty every five seconds. All right, no, you gradually were fine. It was like I, I know how this goes. When someone doesn't play a lot, it's all about that round, like that round eight to ten range when it's like when stuff kind of gets real. And all the zombies kind of stop walking and they all start running. 
where it's either you, you're going to be real good or that panic's going to set in and it's going to be like, well, there it is. But for the most part, it wasn't bad. You tried it. You got better in the two games we played. I think we played three, actually. It's like in the three games we played and then like I basically at that point, I'm like, no, I know what you're playing now. You're playing Persona because I got you here and you're not going nowhere until you play it. No, first you made me play that weird anxiety-inducing cooking game. Overcooked is great, but I remember this girl said, she's sitting there and she starts to, the, um, and like, she was like, it's like the, the song, and it was, she was fine, and then the song sped up. And then that's when stuff <laughs> hit the fan. Cause it was Listen, like, I've played enough Dragon Age to know that when the music changes, shit's about to hit the fan. But it was, it was a fun. She's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's stressing me out. And I'm just like, we're doing fine. <laughs> we were not doing fine. What do you mean? We got two stars. <laughs> <laughs> That's unacceptable. Look, trust me. After the, like, if you saw some of them later levels, one star was just enough for some of them later ones. <laughs> okay. Like, you didn't even see the one where it's like, the, the like, you're on a truck. And the truck splits in halves, and like the and one half moves back and forth between like the other half of a truck, and it's just like all the ingredients are in one half, and then all the stuff to like all the like all the like other stuff is in this other half, but you can all but then the part that moves back and forth has the um, the order machine where you can like put it through. So it's like yeah, no, that's a stress into level two people because you're like oh, I'll just. I'll just stay on this half, or like, or if one of you misses it, you're like, oh, crap, now that timer's going down? Nah, nah that's stress-induced. That level's, no, nah, with three people, that level's easy, but two people, that level's hard. Yeah, no. I made her play back, I'm like, alright, because I'm like, I make my jokes, but I'm like, I need to see if, like, me and Jordan can play, like, a cooperative game for future references, because, like, if we can, it's fine. If we can't, it's still fine, but I'm just gonna be like, dang. All this stuff and all this great juju we give off together, but we can't cooperate for a game. <laughs> I mean, you still haven't seen the half of it, but... Oh, God. Does it get bad? Uh, I do not play well with others, and I have been kicked out of fleets in Star Trek Online. Look. I've already, I've already, like, accepted my fate at this point. I mean, I just get very vocal and very loud. Like, last night I was playing Genshin and I was really, really pissed. And I played for, like, 30 minutes. I kept dying. Couldn't pass this one thing. So I went on to this ex- other thing. Couldn't pass it. So then I, like, tried a few more times. Still couldn't pass this thing. So I went on to something else and got stonewalled in that one, too. And I was like... Well, oh, and I was like really mad and was like yelling at the controller in the game. And I'm just like, this is just what I'm playing by myself. Look, guys, I made a, I have made a tweet. I was like, guys, I've been carried before, but I ain't never been carried like the way Jordan <laughs> carried me in Genshin. Yeah, like I forgot to like switch my characters out. I'm over here, like my character's like, oh, you know, does like 50, 60, occasionally a couple hundred twenties here and there. Jordan swings one sword. I look up, I see two thousand, and I'm like, well, I'm gonna knock. Well, listen, I was playing with D Luke, and he's like super, 
like stupidly overpowered and broken. So he does a lot of damage. But it was it was just so funny, kinda of just like, man, I'm gonna get a lot I'm gonna get some stuff done today and it's just like, Oh look, here's this big old monster that I have no business fighting right now. And Jordan's like, I wanna fight like anything that breathes <laughs> in that game. Like I look up and Jordan's like running her sword through it. <laughs> and that would be me in real life too. And I'm just like, and guys, y'all don't realize it. It's just like, this is a very aggressive person. Like, I'm just sitting there like, what am I watching? And in the back of my mind, I'm like, this, this is a problem. Because, like, everybody else, this is what scares them away. And I'm just like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever witnessed. And I'm just like, this is what I realized. <laughs> and I got so mad because we were, I was helping him figure out a quest. Because he, like, was in the middle of this one quest in a high-level area. And I was like, cool, yeah, we can do that. Um, and... So I helped him out and, you know, it was basically just, like, being his bodyguard while he was, like, solving all the puzzles and stuff. And I was having fun because I was just, like, one-shotting things left and right and it was great. But then we, like, get to this area and there's this ruin guard, which if you don't play Genshin, it's okay. But you won't know what that means. But, like, they're, like, a bigger boss. Well, they're not really a boss, but they're, like, one of the, like higher class of enemies that you fight and it's like a mechanical monster type well it's not really a monster but it's a mechanical enemy and I got so mad because it wouldn't activate and I couldn't get it to activate and I was so mad and I was like I want to fight it and I spent like 20 minutes trying to figure it out and it would not activate but then she eventually got her wish (laughs) oh yeah I just went and found another one yep and then it was just like all good and all of a sudden it's just like and I died because it was just like it was doing something that, like to Jordan, and then it went to me, and I wasn't prepared. And I look over, and I'm just getting like blasted by this laser, and I'm just like, I said, like, "This isn't even like fair," but you know, like it's fine. Also, my character said, "Nah, fam, I'm dead." And I'm like, "Oh shoot!" <laughs> I was like, "Are you like really dead? Dead? Like all your characters died?" And she was, and I was like, "Yep." And she was like, "Oh, it's like my bad." And I'm like, "It's fine." And then I come like flying in from like the like. An opening in the sky, and I'm like, it's okay. I, I really wasn't that far anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like, like I said, I'd be sitting like watching, and I'm just like, man, this is this is that's me. what happens when, because in Genshin, like, they won't let you queue into my world because, like, I'm so high leveled up, like, you would just get railroaded by every single enemy, even like a hilly troll. Mm-hmm. So, like, when we wanted to play together, I was like, okay, you're gonna have to queue me into, like, I'll have to queue into your world and, like, help you do stuff because I'm so high, like, my adventure rank is so high. And I have lower, like, leveled characters, but I haven't leveled their, uh, their, like, artifacts or their weapons up, or they just don't have anything equipped. So, I was going to, like, switch things around so I could play with the lower-level characters, but then I forgot. And so, he's, like, at uh, world level 2. Mm-hmm. His characters are level, like, 30. Yep. And I don't know what your adventure rank is, but all the enemies were, like, level maybe 35. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, running around with a level 80 character. <laughs> Just like one shotting things with this giant claymore. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, you know what? It's okay. Like, this isn't my problem. It's like, it's okay. Um, it was fun. I was having fun one shotting things, but then it was a shot because I had to go back to my world because I couldn't help you in that last bit that you were doing. Uh-huh. And I had to go back to my world and I like almost died because I like forgot 
that these things are level 90 in my world. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. They're not level 90, they're like level 82. Because they're only two levels above me. Um, so I haven't leveled anybody up to 90 because that's stupid. No, well, it's just, it's just been a heck of a time. But Jim's over saying, like, you haven't seen the worst of it yet. And I'm like, I said, let me, I said, I need to just look up and see Jordan play, like, this one game that I want Jordan to play, but it's going to be even harder now because she moved further away. Listen, as soon as I get some other things done, I'm going to buy Persona for the PlayStation. Jeez. No, no, no. I don't even talk about Persona. It was like this card game thing. Like, you play with, like, a bunch of people. Oh, uh, what was okay, it? Yeah. Seven Wonders. I was like, because I've lost that game once. <laughs> and... I've won it from the game, the first game I played, until like when we had some like when we played with five people. That's the one time I've actually lost. But then, interesting. Yeah, but it's funny because I tell everybody it's like, I literally win the same way every time we play, and no one does anything about it. Hmm. It's like I will accept that challenge, <clears throat> but uh. We're going to have to go ahead and get into our topics. We've been chatting for 45 minutes, and my voice is starting to go out. So. Oh, God. Here we go again. Yeah. One of the, I mean, I was not lying when I, like, couldn't talk. And it was bad. You can ask Eric, because he sent me a Snapchat of his voice, because he had, like, really bad allergies one morning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure... That the person whose truck we borrowed to move, she had an upper respiratory infection, and I'm pretty sure I got it because I'm the one who, like, drove her truck, so I sat in her seat and touched the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. But then, like, I guess I had been coughing so hard that my throat was, like, just raw, and then I started to cough up because I had, like, mucus in my chest, but I couldn't cough it up, so... I had to, like, call my doctor and get medicine to, like, loosen it up because the over-the-counter stuff wasn't working, and... I was actually, like, going to go into the doctor to have them do a chest x-ray because it, like, wouldn't go away. But it's finally starting to, like, clear up. But, like, my voice goes in and out. Mm-hmm. Which is really funny when I'm on business calls at work. And I'm in the middle of, like, explaining a situation. Like, today. My voice just, like, went out. And they were just like, uh, are you okay? And I was, like, having to IM them and be like, give me just a sec. <laughs> Let me drink some water. It'll come back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're just going to have to jump right into it because it's been 45 minutes. Um, I'll probably have to add a PSA in the beginning to be like, skip to this point if you just want to hear the story. Yep. But like I said, we haven't recorded in a while because I was sick and I had to move and all this other stuff. So we needed some ketchup. Um, okay, so fun fact. I could not pick a topic because even though we didn't record, I still had a lot of, like, things I was researching. So, at any one given time, I'm usually researching, like, three or four stories at a time. Um, Just because, like, I watch a lot of documentaries and I watch a lot of ghost shows and I have Discovery Plus, which is just, like, a plethora of just, like, things. I mean, there's destination fear and like ghost adventures which we all know i only watch to make fun of mm-hmm. but um sometimes it's like the only show that's done a coverage of a certain topic besides like random youtubing 
paranormal investigators or like bloggers and stuff. Um, but everything that I was researching, I really liked. And I was like, I can't pick a topic. And so DQ was like, well, what are my options? And I gave you your options and you picked the battleship option. I did. Which was the one I wanted you to pick. So the weekend that I moved, my dad actually went to Phoenix to visit his sister and they flew down or drove down to San Diego, which is where my dad was born. Um, but that's also where the Midway is stationed and the, he served on the Midway. He wanted me to go with him and I was like, dad, I've told you three times I'm moving that weekend. Like I can't go. So he went without me. Um, he got a lot of cool stuff. He wore, like, his military bomber jacket from, you know, when he was in the Navy and he was on battleships. Um, so I was actually looking into the Midway because there were some stories about the Midway being haunted, but it, like, wasn't really, like, a big enough thing for me to, like, do a full episode. So that's probably going to be a mini episode when I have a little bit more time to, like, rummage through, um, this website that I found that has, like, stories from haunted battleships. Um, it's just a lot to weed through. But anyway, so, like, once I realized that the Midway didn't really have a lot of, like, official coverage, I kind of switched gears and was like, well, I know Ghost Hunters has investigated a lot of battleships, so I went and watched every single episode of Ghost Hunters where they investigated a battleship. And I had three. So, once DQ picked the battleship option, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do the USS Hornet because it is my favorite. And mostly just because it's totally bonkers. <laughs> like, they investigate Ghost Hunters uh, or TAPS investigated the USS North Carolina before they investigated the USS Hornet. And both of those ships had the craziest claims and, like, they always get such good evidence when they do a battleship. But the USS Hornet just has some, like crazy history and there were so many stories on that website um where it's just like haunted battleships stories um so i i did pick a few of those stories to read to you as well okay um so the uss hornet is currently docked in alameda california she was Built in 1942, commissioned on November 29th in 1943, and officially decommissioned on June 6th, no, June 26th, 1970. Uh, she is 27,100 long ton, long ton, long tons. That's hard to say out loud. Yeah, so she's 27,100 long tons, which long tons is like a British unit of measurement. Um, but it's like 28 something regular tons, mm-hmm. like 28,000 regular tons. Uh, and she's 36,380 long tons when she's carrying a full load. So. She's thick. 
Thick thing. <laughs> um, she's 820 feet long, which I found some conflicting reports, but I went with 820 feet because that's what's on the official website mm-hmm. and on the Wikipedia. But in the Taps episode that I watched, Chris said that she was 840 feet long. Um, and then there were some other measurements that were just kind of like between 870 and 820. So she's at least 820 feet long, which is like th- almost three football fields mm-hmm. for people that needed a comparison. She has a top speed of 33 knots, which is about 35 miles an hour, 30 to 35 miles an hour. I used to know how to convert knots to miles, and I forgot to include that. Uh, So she was originally designed to accommodate 268 officers and 2,363 sailors, but... In 1945, she was documented as carrying up to 382 officers and over 3,000 sailors at any given time. So, we, we always know that, like, everything goes over capacity. Um, she could carry anywhere between 91 and 103 aircraft at once. She's equipped with two catapults and three aircraft Wait, elevators. Catapult? Never mind. I was like... Or catapult. I'm like, wait a minute, catapult. Yes, she she's an aircraft carrier, but she's a battle cruiser, so she does have catapults. They're a little different than like the catapults that you're thinking of. I know, but I'm just like trying to like picture that you know, there's this ship and then there's random catapults. Yeah. Um. So I I typed all these notes out, but I was very careful to use correct terminology in case my dad ever listens to this because he was a sailor and he served on two different battleships so i'm saying she because that's how he refers to ships and i'm gonna try to clarify on like terminology because there's like areas of the ship that have names and so i'll try to describe what those are um so Daddy, if you ever listen to this, I tried really hard. Please l- be proud of me. Uh, okay, so the USS Hornet was originally named the USS uh, Kearsarge, uh, Kearsarge, like a sergeant, uh, but was renamed in October of 1942 to commemorate the previous USS Hornet that was sunk in the Battle of Santa Cruz Islands on the 27th of October in 1942. Uh, The current USS Hornet that is docked in California is now the eighth U.S. ship to bear the name the USS Hornet. And after her commission in 1943, she went on to acquire a very large combat record in World War II. So originally, the USS Hornet was assigned to uh, the Fast Carrier Task Force, which was the main offensive force during the Battle of the Pacific. Uh, in early 1944, she participated in attacks on the Japanese in New Guinea, Palau, and Truk. Mm. I don't know if I said that last name right, but it's T-R-U-K. 
um, the USS Hornet shot down about 1,400 Japanese aircraft during her commission. And I'm pretty sure that that's one of the higher statistics for uh, cruisers, battle cruisers in World War II. Uh, she also took part in the Mariana and Palau Islands campaign, including the Battle of the Philippine Sea. Now, this battle is important because it was nicknamed the Great Mariana's Turkey Shoot. What? You heard me. Turkey Shoot. Next time I heard of a shoot, we try to avoid it, so... Let's listen in. <laughs> yeah, I actually probably shouldn't laugh, but it's just such an incredulous name that I kind of can't help it. But it was nicknamed the Great Marianas Turkey Shoot because of the major disproportionate loss of life that the Japanese suffered. So basically, we just ravaged them, like annihilated them. They lost so many soldiers and we barely lost any. Oh so it was literally like shooting fish in a barrel, which is horrible. Even though it's war, it's horrible, but I'm sorry, the name is just hilarious. So I recognize that this is a very horrible thing, but the name, I just, I can't with the name. Moving on. She also participated in the Philippines campaign in late 1944 and the Volcano and Ryukyu Islands campaign in the first half of 1945. Uh, later that year, uh, the USS Hornet was badly damaged by a typhoon, so she had to return to the U.S. for repairs and didn't participate anymore in those campaigns. So after that war, the USS Hornet took, or after the war, World War II, the USS Hornet took part in Operation Magic Carpet, which was the military effort to return troops to the U.S. Um, and then after that operation, she was then placed on reserve. So she was not an active battle cruiser, but she was still able to be active. She just wasn't active. I mean, it's like being in the military reserves. Um, so the USS Hornet was then re... No. I lost my bullet point in my mind. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, during the Korean War, she was reactivated, but was only per only participated in a small portion of the war because she spent the rest, like, a, the last portion of the war being modernized to allow her to operate jet-propelled aircraft. And then she was remodernized re again in the late, the late 1950s so she could serve as an anti-submarine carrier. There is a typo in that, but she was an anti-submarine carrier, so I guess that means that she was, like, designed or remodernized to shoot down or destroy submarines. You can't really shoot down a submarine. They're underneath you. Look, I was going to let so it be. blow up submarines. I was going to let it be. When she said shoot down a submarine, I was like, wait a minute. And I was like, she'll fix it. She'll fix it. Listen, I'm trying really hard, okay? It's okay. You gotta make my daddy proud. I mean, he's already proud of me because I'm his nerd daughter. But then I got a butt chewing because I hadn't watched the book of Boba Fett and he was very upset with me because he couldn't talk to me about it. Really glad I haven't. Uh, he's, like, he's like real glad he hasn't met me yet. Yeah, he cannot find out. 
until you've watched them. The man will murder me. You'll be like, hey, hey, sit down um, here and watch. It's not just you. He's very disappointed in two of my sisters for not really ever having watched them either. So. Um... <laughs> So she was remodernized again in the 1950s to serve as an anti-submarine character carrier. I keep saying character. Anti-submarine carrier. She was active during the Vietnam War, but she only played a really minor role in that war. And then uh, she also participated in recovering the Apollo 11 and 12 astronauts from the sea when they returned from the moon. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, her official decommission, her official and final decommission was in 1970, and there were some things that happened between when she was officially decommissioned and when she made it to California. Like, there was a couple of different companies that, like, bought her or took possession of her. I didn't include those because I have a lot of ghosty stuff to cover. Um, but she was designated as both a national historic landmark and a California historical landmark, and she opened to the public as the USS Hornet Sea, Air, and Space Museum in 1998. So it is still a museum today. Okay. So we're going to start on the flight deck. So this ship is, she's just crazy, okay? I mean... It's a battleship, so you assume she's witnessed tremendous amounts of tragedy, you know, people dying on the ship uh, from war, um, you know, injuries related to battles, but then also you have to think about the amount of injuries that, you know, sailors and crew sustained just from working on the ship. I mean, there were swinging parts, parts that broke, uh, several people had gotten burned in, like, minor accidents and, like, the lower parts of the deck, like, I guess, in, like, the engine room or whatever, or fires broke out. I mean, she has an entire medical wing, and they could perform surgeries there. They have, like, a a bacterial lab. I mean, she's massive, but she's very well equipped mm -hmm. to, to handle lots of different kinds of situations. Um, so she's seen a lot, and there's been a lot of death uh, either that she's caused or that's happened on the ship. There have been several suicides. I'm going to say this at the top. Um, the USS Hornet does currently hold the highest suicide rate in the entire Navy. Good gracious of mercy. Yeah, and so there's conflicting opinions on why that is. Um, but it is what it is. There have been a lot of suicides on the ship. Um, there had, they took some Japanese prisoners during World War II, and there was a, a kamikaze pilot that died on board. Um, so there's just a lot of tragedy, but also they're a museum. So they have aircraft that are, is from World War One, World War Two. They have space aircraft or, uh, you know, I think there's like some satellites in there. I mean, they're a museum. So they have pieces that most of the majority of these pieces and the collections that they have are from war-related aircraft. So those pieces that may not have anything to do with the, you know, Hornet herself, they could hold their own energy and bring their own things to the ship and contribute to the paranormal activity. 
So I think the USS Hornet and the USS North Carolina are like the two major famous haunted American battleships. But there are plenty to choose from. So, just so you know. Uh, So we're going to start on the flight deck. And the reason why I mentioned the whole like, remember this is a museum. So there are a lot of artifacts and collections and pieces that could have residual energy tied to them is because the most common claim on the flight deck is connected to a very specific helicopter. I couldn't really figure out which one it was um, with just like the pictures and the information on the official museum website, but in the Ghost Hunters episodes that are episode that I watched and then the two Ghost Adventures episodes that I watched, I think it's a very specific Huey, which is a Bell helicopter, but I could be wrong because it's it's not older. It is from World War II, mm-hmm. but um, it looks like it has the Bell nose and it looks to be a Huey, but like I could only get a couple of like glimpses and I am not a helicopter expert. I handle contracts and math and money. I do not handle the actual helicopters that I work with so or work to provide to other people um but in the document in the documentaries that I found uh one of those helicopters is just when historians actually tried to track the activity that that helicopter was tied to there was just a lot of like battles and like places that it had been where there was a lot of tragedy so that kind of made me think that this piece itself brought in its own paranormal activity and the paranormal activity witnessed on the flight deck around this specific helicopter doesn't have anything to do with the hornet herself but you can do overnights on this ship so it's a museum but i mean there's like boy scouts and girl scouts and like school trips they go and they stay overnight and you can even do like overnight ghost investigations now um But they'll have overnight visitors there and so many of them think that there's an actual person on the flight deck because it's like walking around this helicopter and it comes out of the helicopter in a flight suit with the helmet kind of like under its arm. I say it, his, it's clearly a man and none of the reports say that he's you know, transparent or opaque in any way. He is a full body apparition, looks like a real person. And he's mainly seen around that one helicopter. And even though the flight deck is considered to be a very active area, it's mainly just because so many people see this full body apparition of this, this, uh, aviation pilot in a flight suit walking around but he's like not wandering like he's walking with a purpose so I do feel like that's residual energy and he's just kind of like playing a role like kind of replaying like his role and his movements around the helicopter but I could be totally wrong I haven't been to the USS Hornet obviously um but the crew boy scouts girl scouts and plenty of other visitors either for overnights or just there during the day they have reported to see a pilot walking around the flight deck and getting on or off of that one specific helicopter. Um, 
The most active part of the ship is called the forecastle, which is just short for the forecastle. And the forecastle is a section of the ship that's uh, toward the the bow, which is like the front of the ship. Um, (laughs) So the forecastle or the forecastle is where they had the um, equipment to hoist the anchor. Um, so that's where the, the mechanisms all were, the machinery that, that, that handled all of that. Um, they have an apparition, like, so Zach Bagans interviewed a man called Daryl Chang, who's the, at the time was the chief security officer for the ship. He has seen this apparition himself, but it is an apparition of someone hanging from a rope from a bulkhead. So they walk into the forecastle and see someone hanging from the bulkheads, the overhead bulkheads. But then they like blink or turn around or, you know, like go to look at the person next to them and they will like, they look back and it's not there anymore. But that is such a common claim. Like, I feel like I trust a lot of the crew because the National Guard, you know, does shifts on the ship and they have people that are ex-military that, you know, are the crew of the ship because they still have to keep it running or at least, like, not sinking. Which it's in San- the San Francisco Bay, so it's not like it would actually sink. But, you know, most of the people that work on the ship that are actually, like, the crew and, like, doing the tours and stuff, a lot of them are ex-military. So, I feel like that kind of does add a little bit of credibility Mm -hmm. but then again i'm biased because my father is in the military and a lot of his family are in the military and a lot of my a lot of the males and my mom's side of the family have been in the military as well but that is such a common thing to see like there were boy scouts that were like y'all i was 12 and i almost peed my pants (laughs) like no joke walked in on a tour and saw this person hanging from the ceiling and then he wasn't there uh, this is also an area of the ship where during the TAPS investigation, they, uh, well, they didn't really catch this as, like, an EVP, but Chris heard a disembodied voice, and it was, like, in her ear, and it was, like, a really loud, like, gasp, and it startled her, and, I mean, she was running around the folks, so, I mean, there's, like, pipes everywhere, and she was, like, looking for a reason for that sound, and they couldn't find anything, they didn't record any sound, so, like, if it had been, like, a natural sound of the ship or something, they would have caught it on the recorder, um, but it was so close to her, but they hear, I mean, there's, like, footsteps, there's the sounds of the, like, anchor mechanism. I mean, a lot of the activity on the ship does seem to be residual to me because it's, like, sounds that the ship would make. Mm-hmm. Or sounds from, like, when it would have been operative. Uh, so they do consider the forecastle to be the most active, but the things that happen there are the same things over and over again. They're just seen more often. Which is crazy to me. Because so many people are seeing this apparition of somebody hanging from a rope by their neck. And that's like the most popular claim that they have. Is people seeing it. And it's just insane. Um, so then we're going to go to the secondary comm. Which the secondary comm is like a uh, recreation of basically what their bridge would have been like. So it's um, an area of the ship where they've 
recreated the, like, command room for, like, visitors and stuff like that. Or maybe, I don't know, they didn't explain why they bought it. That was me inferring. But the secondary comm is also a very active area. Uh, Taps recorded an EVP um, that said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. But it was like a female voice. It wasn't a masculine voice at all. It was very feminine. And it was just so funny because it was just Jason and Grant in there. And during the Taps episode, they had a guest investigator. Uh, It was the main character from Eureka. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. It's actually kind of good. But they had a guest investigator there with them all night. And so they had a lot of things happen. They were walking around with him. His name was like Colin something. Um, And so they had a lot of things happen. They were walking around with Colin. But then they went back into the secondary calm later in the night. And they caught a lot of stuff. And I mean, based on the evidence that they got, the secondary calm and the mass deck which is the uh like the mess hall but it's like a full deck um those were the most active for them that night or like where they caught the most evidence um but in the secondary calm it's really common for people to like get the feeling that someone's behind you or behind them like it's a very strong kind of oppressive feeling Mm -hmm. Where, like, you just know someone's behind you, but you turn around and no one's there. And then people see shadow figures, whether it's from the corner of their eyes or they're looking at the doorway head on and someone just, like, darted by the door. Um, Grant and Jason, they saw a shadow. So before they caught that EVP, which they don't catch the EVPs until review, but in the same time that they would have caught that the EVP was recorded, they saw a shadow dart out of the room that they were walking into. So it like was in the room that they were walking into and it darted across the room and out another doorway. And they saw it head on. Like head on. It was not from the corner of their eye. They were both looking straight at it because they were walking into a room. Um, and they could hear the footsteps running away. Like, they knew, like, they thought it was a real person because they could hear the footsteps on the metal gra- on the metal floor, and they were getting further away from them, but there was, other than that shadow figure, like, there was no one in the hall because they went to chase it. Like, they were like, what the mess was that? And their f- first, you know, instinct when they see something like that is it's an actual person. It's when they can't find anybody is when they're like, uh okay, so that was a shadow figure or something because, like, there's no physical person here to do that. And that's not what physical people in the moment look like when you walk into a room. Like, they usually have some definition and we had flashlights, so, like, we should have been able to see the color of their shirt and blah, blah, blah. And, like, it was just a shadow figure. Like, there was no detail of, like, clothing or nothing. So they did catch the footsteps on their audio from, like, when they chased it through that other doorway and down a big hallway, you can hear the footsteps running away from them and getting softer as they go on. And it's echoing a lot, but like when they play it on the loudspeakers, like you definitely can hear that there are like distinct footsteps and they're just echoing, but the echo gets like lower and lower and lower. Um, so they have that on audio there and then they got the EVP at the same time. And then, uh, there's also 
a ghost called the Dress Whites ghost. Uh, and Dress Whites are, like, the sailor's formal wear. Mm-hmm. Um, it's their, their dress uniform. It's just all white. It's the traditional sailor uniform when you think of, like, a Navy person. Think Popeye the Sailor Man. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not lying. My dad has that outfit in his closet right now. I don't know how I feel about that. I wore it for Halloween two years in a row. <laughs> I don't um, know how I feel about that still. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's this uh, figure known as the Dress Whites Ghost. And it's just a figure who walks up and down the hallways uh, between the secondary comm and sick bay, I believe. And he's in his Dress Whites. But he doesn't respond to people. He's not, He doesn't acknowledge that anybody's there. Um, and again, the people that have seen him can hear his footsteps on the floor. But, like, there's no, there's no move, like, there's no other sounds of movement other than his footsteps. So it's just a crazy thing that happens between the secondary comm and then the place we're going to talk about next, which is sick bay. Um, so the sick bay or the, like, hospital ward is pretty active, but some of the claims are, like, kind of bizarre, so I don't really know how much of it I believe. But the sick bay has 52 bunks, and that is where, when you do an overnight, that's where you sleep. So the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, student groups of students, paranormal investigators, people just there for an overnight tour, whatever... So you sleep in sick bay if you're there for an overnight anything. And there are kids who wake up in the middle of the night and they see sailors in the empty bunks that are, like, next to them. And they are, like, either staring at them or, like, they bolt up really quick and, like, jump out of the bunk and then, like, run away. Or they're, like, moaning or groaning because, you know, it's the sick bay. Um, so then, like those kids will, like, get really scared and they'll, like, go wake up their teacher or the supervisor or whatever and then they'll, like, go back to that bunk and there won't be anybody there. Sounds about right. And then, other than, like, just sounds, um, there's, like, I think, uh, cause Taps did catch a disembodied voice here. Um, you can't really tell what it's saying. Because they heard it in real time, but there's other sounds that are in the recording that to me kind of sound like a heart monitor or like other sounds of like a medical place. And then like you hear the voice, but you can't tell what it's saying. Mm -hmm. But there's like other beeps before and after in the audio clip that they play, which they don't make reference to. So like, I don't know if it's a sound that they identified, but other claims from like other articles or the ghost adventures or whatever other you know resources that i watched will you know basically say like they hear sounds um there's a lady who um in the bacterial lab that i was telling you about like she's caught uh she's apparent one of them there was two ladies that they interviewed and one is like a historian on the boat and then like one is um like, a paranormal investigator that's there all the time. Okay. Um, but there have been EVPs of people, like, saying, get out, we're working, um, things like, it's not like a menacing get out, it's like a, what are you doing here? Like, we're trying to work, like, you need to leave, you can't be here. Um, 
but there's no like visual accompanying that so like they can't really like infer intention behind the EVPs but they get a lot of EVPs of you know just kind of I feel like it's like career related mm-hmm. EVPs and then there's sounds like beeps and clangs and footsteps and doors opening and closing and like the gurneys wheeling from like one place to another but like the gurney is bolted to the floor and it doesn't move anymore um there was a lady who said that she walked into the sick uh, to the med bay and there was like a huge puddle of blood on one of the gurneys and she like went to tell somebody about it and then it wasn't there anymore um there's a door in the bacterial lab that slams shut all the time, but the ship is, it's docked in Alameda, but it's in a shallower part of the bay, plus it's, like, super tall and long, and, like, it's huge. So, it's actually sunk into the silt a couple of feet, so it doesn't rock. Even though it's docked, like, it doesn't rock back and forth, and the door swing is uphill, So, it slams shut against, like, the natural lean of the room. And it's also, like, a super thick metal door. Because it's, it's, the room is, like, into, like, a vault room, which I assume would be, like, where certain cold storage and stuff would have been. And it, like, slams shut all the time. And there were a couple of instances where, like, Zach was investigating in the area that I thought I heard that door slam. Mm -hmm. And it's loud, and it echoes. It's crazy. Which, there's sightings of, like, shadow figures all over the ship. But, I mean, these are the places that, like, very specific things happened or have been documented or, like, happened to the people that they interviewed or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, on the mess deck, which is the mess hall... uh, a lot of people just get, like, movement out of the corner of your eye. Because when you do an overnight, you eat in on the mess deck, too. So, like, they feed you, you sleep there. It's not authentic experience, but, like, as authentic as you're going to get as a non-military personnel. Yeah. Um, so, a lot of people that work there, that are, like, working in the mess hall during serving times, they see movement in the galley out of the corner of their eye or, like, if it's after hours or, like, on a day where the museum is closed and they're kind of just in there cleaning up or doing their rounds and walking through the place, they'll catch movement out of the corner of their eyes. In the TAPS episode, all the chairs were on top of the tables and there was, like, some really weird light play. And, I mean, you're on a battleship in the interior of the ship. There's no windows. They have all of the lights turned off. The only lights in the room would be the infrared DVR camera, which doesn't blink or fluctuate or move at all because it's on a tripod. And then flashlights and lights from, like, their mini DVs and their handhelds. But that's it. But they had, like, some really weird light play where, like, there'd be a a flash of bright light in, like, this one section of the mess hall and, like, You'd go towards it, and then it would happen again on the other side of the room. But there's nothing that's flashing in there. Because when Zach Bagans and them investigated, the first time, I don't think they had, like, any stationary camera set up. They might have, but I don't think they did. And they were just kind of, like, using their handheld equipment. And they didn't have a camera crew or anything with them. Everything literally was filmed off of their three main people that were, like, in season one or in two with their handheld equipment. 
Um, but like crew and visitors and stuff like that see movement out of the corner of their eye a lot and then they turn to look and there's nothing that would have moved there. Um, there's voices that come there's voices in the galley but there's also voices like out in the mess hall like when you're sitting and you're eating or you're just like doing your rounds or you're standing there but they're not random like they respond to you like you could like you and I could be in the mess hall having a conversation by ourselves no one else is there and there could be an answer to a question I asked or like a laugh if like I told a joke but like it didn't come from you and there's no one else in the room so this so that activity to me seems like intelligent because it's responding to people and it knows other people are there mm -hmm. and it can change what it's doing based on what other people are doing. Um, so like it talks to people, it calls the crew by name sometimes. Excuse me? Uh, it'll, yeah, like people, like the crew will like hear their name called. Um, there's uh, specific instances where... Um, somebody like left something on and it kind of was like doing things to bring attention to the thing that was left on or uh it was a reaction to like something that a group of people were doing so like I guess they were like roughhousing and it was like cut that out mm -hmm. like be respectful type thing and I I mean they didn't really get any EVPs from that area in the taps episode so like I can't kind of make an, an educated guess on whether I think it's just, like, one person. But, I mean, like, they had the weird light play. There was, like, weird bangs. Um, Keith, who did the tour in the Taps episode and the Ghost, the first Ghost Hunters episode, uh, he, he's been working on the ship a very long time, and he said that he sees, like, a figure in the galley, but, like, the galley door is shut, and it has, like, a square window at the, you know, in the door that you can look through and he'll see somebody moving around in the galley, but the light is off. And so like the only light is the light in the mess hall and it's shining through the galley because like the museum was closed or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's doing his rounds and he can see someone moving in there and he can hear the sounds of the galley, like pots and pans or whatever. And he'll go to open it and go in there and there's no one there. Um, supposedly also whatever entity is in the mess hall in the galley likes to throw things. Um, <laughs> so Keith swears up and down that he had a glass coffee pot thrown at his head. Um, there have been other utensils and things like that that have been picked up and like chunked or just like randomly fallen off the table. But it was like in the middle of the table. And like I said, the ship doesn't rock. Can you imagine just being like, your mind is chilling here. It's chilling. So scared to throw it, like, where'd it come from? Look around, nobody's there. It's like, well, dang. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Grant and Jason, they went and investigated the mess deck with Colin, the guy from Eureka, Eureka, Eureka at the beginning of the TAPS episode. And they had like a super long K2 session with some sort of intelligent ghost because they were asking questions and they were like, do you know what year it is? And I think this was like in 2006. And so it was like, yeah. Um, and they were like, okay, we'll like light up the K2 when we get to the right year. And they would like start at like 1945 and like go up. And then they got to 2006 and it went off. And 
It knew who Keith was. It knew who some of the other crew members were. It knew the names of some of the investigators that were there. Um, it knew that it was dead. Like, it was a crazy long session. And you only get to see bits of it mm -hmm. in the episode. But, like, Ghost Hunters does this thing where they call it... Uh, Oh, I forget what they call it, but they basically have, like, an episode every few seasons where they sit and they answer questions in, like, a panel. And so they'll have, like, the whole team there or, like, members from their team. And, you know, of course, Jason and Grant are there because they're the main character, they're the main people. And, you know, people write in questions and whoever's hosting it, which I think it was Josh Gates that uh, hosted it and he was on Destination Truth. Um... And they answered questions and they'll talk about certain cases. And so there was another thing that I watched where they were kind of just like talking about it. I think it was either in one of those like unplugged episodes or they were at like a con of some sort. But they were just kind of like talking about this like massive K2 session. And like Colin was asking questions and like Jason and Grant were asking questions. It was very intelligent because it knew that it was dead. It knew it wasn't the 1940s anymore. It knew the battleship wasn't an active battleship anymore. I mean it was just crazy. You know it's too much. Yeah. So I mean it was it was very interesting though and it kind of made me a little sad. But at the same time, like I guess he he might want to be there. You never know. Yeah. I mean, my dad is like <clears throat> getting old and would hands down go back into combat if he could. And he tried, but they told him he was too old and he couldn't. And he was very upset. Oh my goodness. So like these kinds of people, like, they might want to be there, you know, who knows? Like my dad could end up haunting the midway when he dies. Who knows? Sure. Well, that would be really weird and really cool at the same time. Daddy, please do that. Thank you. Oh my goodness. You're gonna be like uh, what? you're gonna go investigate one day and like I like I was like, who is this? It's like who's this nerdy ghost? It's like I'm we're gonna get like an EVP of an insult and cling on and I'm gonna be like, Alright, so that's my dad. And I'm gonna be like hands down. And so I'm like and it's like he's like, You didn't even bring the grandkids? I'm like, look, 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 look. They're like eight. No. Um, but yeah, no, that would definitely be your luck. And I'm just like, I said, Jordan, it's like, he said, he took the nerdiness beyond the grave. It's like, I'm almost impressed. <laughs> we'll be like watching a home video like 10 years later. And all of a sudden there's just a Jigba, ding, lamp, pew. And in a really angry voice. And I'm just going to be like, all right. <coughs> God, don't die. On me. I'm not going to die. I got life insurance yet. I do. I said what I said. <laughs> oh, you mean you're not the beneficiary yet? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Even if we did get married, unless we had kids, the beneficiaries would stay as my sisters. Or it would go to the dog. Yeah, look, I'll be honest, I'm in like that same boat. It's fine. <laughs> I want my life insurance money to go to my dog so I can guarantee he has a good life. It's like, it's just, just make sure it goes to the dog food and give him a new bed. Once every six months. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, moving on. So, we just talked about the mess hall before we started our side derail rant or uh, tangent. So, there is a brig on the ship, which I mentioned before, because there is that kamikaze pilot who died. Or I may not have said he was in the brig. He died on the ship. Mm -hmm. We know that. He is reported to... Have to be seen in the brig 
And one of the women who was in the uh, Ghost Adventures episode, the first one that I watched, uh, the earlier episode, she said that one night when she was investigating in the brig, she was holding her recorder up to one of the, like, brig doors, mm-hmm. um, like one of the cell doors, and the recorder got pushed out of her hand. Like, it moved her hand and she felt it, her hand being touched, but specifically, like, they were trying to, like, move the recorder. And then on the recording, you can hear, like, the recorder move because it hit the door. Mm-hmm. And then there's an EVP that says, help me. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> and I think that lady's name was Nancy, and I wrote it in parentheses, sure. but don't be upset if I got it wrong. And Nancy's also the the lady who saw the puddle of blood on the gurney as well. Yeah. They also hear growls in both the brig and certain parts of sickbay. Hmm. Um, there is a claim in the bullnose, which the bullnose, I'm not really 100% sure of what this area of the ship is for. But the bullnose is a section of the ship when you come down off the flight deck and you're coming down us flight of stairs there's like a catwalk type area and then like you can continue on down the stairs or there's like a another section Mm -hmm. that like opens up into like a cage area so like i assume they keep like they that's where they kept like equipment or weapons or whatever uh maybe the lockers were there i don't know daddy what's a bullnose he'll explain it to me later it's fine um, I did talk to him, but, like, I forgot to ask him what some of these words mean, because he, we got off topic and started talking about the Witcher. And, like I said, it's genetics. Like, <laughs> there it is. Somebody at work said something very horrible to me, and I knew my dad was at work, so I texted him about it, and then he called me to be like, I'm sorry, excuse me, and I was like, Daddy, say it's not true. It cannot be substantiated, so I think fans of The Witcher will know what I'm talking about, but I can't say it out loud because I might cry in case it is true. But I'm manifesting. It is not true. You can only manifest so much. I'm manifesting a dog, and I'm manifesting seven seasons of Henry Cavill. Or Cavill. I don't know how to say his last name. The dog thing is literally a process. That were like about to break through on. Mm-hmm. I manifested it. Okay, so in the bullnose, um, there's another like pressing present that's felt presence that's felt. Um, <coughs> they'll feel again like there's someone behind them. Um, and then a lot of people that have worked on the ship as part of the crew or, like, event managers. Uh, there's been people that were hired to be, like, education managers or, like, handle the, like, tour groups and stuff mm-hmm. um, and overnights, things like that. Uh, they see a dark shadow that walks in front of people, like, day or night, doesn't matter. But they're coming down that staircase into, onto what is known as as the bullnose and then behind the bullnose is like those cage areas and it walks across them 
like across from them, like in front of them, walks across the bull nose. Yeah. Well, I mean, like it manifests or appears out of nowhere because there's a wall. Like you're coming in off the flight deck and you, the stairwell, the stairwell, the stairwell is along the side of a wall. So it walks in front of them, but it comes out of nowhere and then goes in front of them and then into the cage areas behind the bullnose and like Keith said that he's like tried to follow it and it goes into one of the cages and there's literally nowhere else to go like it just disappears but again you can hear the footsteps Hmm. and like again like there's footsteps and like sounds all over the ship but I guess if you work there long enough like you start to know like what each area of the ship sounds like Uh or at least I would hope so you're like ah it's fine it's whatever okay um, so there is, like, an intelligence slash briefing room on the ship. Um, during an EVP session uh, that was conducted by Not Taps, a woman who worked on the ship and was accompanying uh, an investigation team, her walkie-talkie started to make noises and light up. You know, like, when you hit the talk button, like, there's usually, like, a green light that changes color. Mm-hmm. Um, so the light started to change color, and she kept hearing that, like, static sound from like hitting the button and then as they're all watching it do this it slides off the table and again it was in the center of the table and the ship doesn't rock and that was witnessed by a group of six people um also in the intelligence briefing room and in the missile room. They have, like, a like a room where they used to store, like, parts for the missiles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, like, I say touching, but, like, it's not, like, inappropriate. Like, people just, women particularly feel like their arms being touched, their hair gets played with, um, and when Zach and... One of the ladies who works on the ship that's, like, helping with his tour on that first episode of Ghost Adventures that I watched, they're talking, and she said that she feels like women kind of get targeted or picked on a lot, but, like, when you think about it, back then when it was an active ship, there probably weren't a lot of women on the ship. That's true. So, so it makes sense. Um, But a lot of things, a lot of experiences are experienced by women when it comes to, like, voices, like, being, like, talking to them, specifically them getting touched, their hair likes to get played with. Um, that same lady who works on the ship, she, uh, was standing in the missile room on a tour and her ponytail stood straight up. Like it wasn't pulled or tugged on. It was just literally like someone took the end of her ponytail and lifted it into the air. Again, witnessed by her and a group of other, like another group of people or a group of other people. I think her name is Heidi, and she's, like, the, she was the ship's education manager at the time, but she said, like, that happens to her all the time. Like, when she's down there, things just play with her hair, and it's probably because she's down there a lot because she gives tours, and so, like, the entity knows her, so, like, it just plays with her hair, but it does it in front of other people to, like, a point where, like, they can visibly see her hair moving. Like, Which is just crazy to me because, like, that kind of activity doesn't happen. The casualty of all. It's like, all right, you know, oh, she's back down here again? We got to get her. And then it's just like, she's like, oh, okay, I'm going to keep talking. Like, 
you know, this happens all the time. And then, like, that one person is like, huh? Yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre. Um, but Heidi also said that one day she was in her office. And I think she said that, like, it was, like, a bank holiday or something. But, like, she didn't know that the museum wouldn't be open. So she shows up to work. And she has a key. She lets herself into the ship, into her office, but no one else is there. And as she's, like, waiting for other people to show up, she's sitting in her office. And she sees a man in a blue uniform, clear as day. Again, not see-through, not opaque. He didn't acknowledge her in any way, but, like, she could hear his footsteps. But, like, there was nothing else about him that made it seem like he was a real person other than the fact that, like, he was not Mm see-through or gray or shadowy at all. Like, it was, like, distinct man in a blue uniform uh clear as day um she said that the room got really cold right before she saw him and then he walked through her office and then straight through a bulkhead but it looked like he was moving in slow motion so like he wasn't like darting around like he was walking but it looked like he was moving in slow motion um And also, during the TAPS investigation, there was, like, a section where uh, Grant and Jason were chasing a figure that they saw again. Like, they saw another, like, shadow figure. And I don't remember, like, where they were when they first saw it, but they chased it out into a hallway. And I, it might have been the same time as when they, like, walked into the secondary comm room and saw that figure dart out that doorway and they went chasing it. Um, but they were walking around and they had the thermal camera and we know that the thermal camera is like worth its weight in gold to paranormal investigators. I mean, it's bizarre the kinds of things that it picks up. Mm -hmm. Um, but they were like walking around this like larger hallway that runs the length of the ship on that deck. And they had the, you know, they're carrying the thermal footage or the thermal camera. And as they're doing a sweep of that floor or that hallway, down the hallway, they spot an anomaly, and, like, on the little bitty viewfinder, it looks like a human figure, and it moves across the hallway. Not down the hallway, it moves across the hallway. So, they take off, and they go after it, and they can't find it. Yeah, like, of course they do. They take off, they go after this anomaly, they're trying to get closer to it, trying to figure out, is it a reflection of any kind? Like, what's going on? They get closer to it, it disappears, um, But they, like, keep going in that direction, and they find themselves in this, like, library type of room. But I think it also used to be a chapel. But, like, now it's, like, a document room where they, like, store documents and, like, books and historical things and records. Um, But they, they couldn't find anyone, and they end up by this room, and that's where they saw the figure... It had nowhere to go. At one point, they, like, tried to follow the direction they thought it was going and ended up on an outside door that hadn't opened in years. Jason, big burly Jason, finally got it to open, made a huge loud noise so they know nobody went through that door. And it opens up to the side of the ship. (laughs) Like, Mm. you walk out that door, you just fall right off. Like, if there wasn't, like, a little bitty ledge there with, like, stairs that led down to, like, one of the gangplanks or something. Yeah. Or, not gangplank, <laughs> but, like, a catwalk on the side of the ship. Elvis door. Oh, no! Splash. 
Yeah. Uh, so they know he didn't go that way and they just, they, they're walking around trying to find this thing because it looked like a figure. Like it was very clearly a person and they like kind of cue it up on the viewfinder again. They think they see a leg and a head and it's just so crazy and bizarre. And then as they're like talking about it, they still have the thermal camera and it's shooting and they're aiming it at like a wall. And there's just like this ball of heat that like appears in frame and then moves and then disappears. You're in a metal ship. Air doesn't move that way. And if it was hot air, it would rise, not move across the bottom of the frame. So that was very weird and odd. They couldn't recreate it. The camera wasn't moving at the time that this happened. So it wasn't like they just like picked up on some reflection and then the camera itself moved. Mm -hmm. Like the camera was stationary. This thing moved into frame, like appeared in frame and then moved across the frame and then disappeared on frame. So that was really bizarre. But, like, I've never seen anything like that caught. It literally looked like if you could catch video evidence of, like, an actual orb that's not dust or a bug or a camera flare or a lens flare or anything, that would be what it would look like. It's just a ball of energy. It's insane. It was insane. Like, I couldn't believe it. So, if you guys want to see that stuff, go watch. I think it's season four, episode 22. It is in season four. I think it's episode 22, but I could be wrong. It's the USS Hornet episode. It couldn't be me. You know, they're they're searching for it everywhere, and then the door opens, and it's the side of the ship. Me, I would have been like, oh my god, we got it. Like, it's just pushing. It finally gets open, and then, like, you know, next thing I know, I'm I'm, I'm getting a really nice close-up with some fish. (laughs) <laughs> like all of a sudden you're in the san francisco bay and that's not a clean body of water to be in exactly like it's the thing is like it's gonna get dysentery this time yeah oh god <laughs> it was just i've just been at like it's like it's like oh my god we're almost there and then just poof and it's just like it's like they're like it's like they're like what happened don't come out here and then you hear the splash um so in the ghost adventures episode like the earlier one that i watched they start out in this, like, a really weird recreation of, like, a dramatic cutscene where, like, Zach and his two crew members are, like, walking up to a podium and, like, the crowd is screaming. It is really dumb. They wear flight suits the entire investigation. <laughs> and, like, he walks on camera and I'm just, like, and it has a name tag, like, like a name, like a, like a, uh, like a, a monogrammed, like, name badge on his, on the uniform. And it says, Bacon's. And I was just like, Zach, why are you in a flight suit? <clears throat> there goes my voice. Um, I was like, Zach, why are you in a flight suit? But then later in the episodes, he's like, for anybody wanting to know. And I was like, by anybody, he means Jordan. Because Jordan was just making fun of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he said it's to in, uh, instigate activity uh, to either make it look like they belong there or make the spirits more comfortable interacting with them. I guess. I don't know. I think he just wanted to wear a flight suit, so, to too. be honest. Um, but I made it through two episodes of Ghost Adventures. Because <laughs> they had the traditional one from, like, the er- one of the earlier seasons. And then they had, like, a USS Hornet after dark thing. Like, sometimes Zach Bagans will do these, like, specials where he revisits places. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, like, some crazy bizarre stuff happened on that episode, too. But it was a lot of the same stuff. 
like it was a lot of the same major claims you know the guy you know in the forecastle hanging from the bulkhead you know the 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 dress whites ghost the the shadow figures I mean it was a lot of just the same stuff so I kind of stuck with like the the taps episode and then the first ghost adventures episode when I was like talking about claims because there's still two stories that I want to read you they're really short but I mean like there's just so much stuff happening on this ship like there's no way that I could cover it all and like every time that anybody goes to investigate there they walk away with at least five pieces of evidence like it's crazy the amount of like evidence that paranormal investigators can get from just one night aboard the ship i want to go so bad but at the same time i really don't why not because i like don't react well in the moment to seeing paranormal stuff i like cry what but at the same time yeah both times i've had like a paranormal experience where i saw something like i've seen things move i've like heard disembodied voices and like I've listened to EVPs that have been caught but like both times that I had something happen to me and it was like something physical or like visual like I saw an apparition I like just shut down like there were tears I was not having it and it took me like a good 10 minutes to be like all right it can't hurt you you got to go figure out if this is really what you saw like it like I don't know. Like, I have so much respect for these people because even Zach Bagans, even Zach Bagans, because, like, yeah, I'm automatically going to run after a shadow figure that I saw run away from me, but that's, like, if I saw any person run away from me as I walked into a room, I'm automatically going to think they did something wrong and I'm going to chase them down. 100% done that. In real life. It's a story for a different time, but I've done it. Oh, my God. So... (laughs) <laughs> but it but it was like I had like a, vi- a visual confrontation with an, what I believe to be an entity. I've been locked inside of like a wardrobe at like an antique or a, a boutique hotel in Jefferson. And I've seen like a hand come out of a wall before, like that kind of stuff. Like I just can't handle. And it's just like instantly my like body just is like, mm, nope, we don't like this. So we're just going to cry about it. And I don't like that I do that. But I'm so I'm so fascinated yeah I'm so fascinated by the paranormal because it's like I want to understand it and I want to know what it's like on the other side and I want to know if you have a choice to be there or if like it really is like if you have unresolved conflicts or whatever like I'm so interested in it um but you you want to take mama anderson's places and I use plural because both mama anderson's yep like I don't know if y'all will make it out Y'all would be like, y'all see something and then just stop what y'all are doing and start crying. And I'm just going to be like, or be like really confused. And I'm like, you know what? No, I'll be somewhere else. And I'm like, I'm sure they're fine. And it's going to like pan over to y'all like huddled up, like crying about what just happened. Yeah. See, but at the same time, like, I don't know how I would react because like each time that I've had like a visual confrontation with something or a physical confrontation with something, I've been alone except for like the wardrobe incident because like there were people outside but like it happened to me and I was like stuck in the wardrobe by myself but like the hand coming out of the wall like when I actually saw an apparition of something that I believe to be a spirit of a dead somebody I know in fact to be dead I was she died on my birthday I was at her funeral at the age of 16 like She's dead, and I 100% have seen her three times. 
like, I know I said, like, the two times, but it's because, like, I consider that and, like, those three incidents to be, like, the same, I guess, because it's, like, the same entity, the same spirit, but, uh, both my mom and I have seen her, so, and we have, like, really weird dreams about her before, like, important things in our life happen. It's bizarre. Um, but at the same time, like, anytime that I've been in a group of people, whether it's, like, people that are my age, people that are older than me, people that are younger than me, people that are my family, anything that, like, threatens us, even if, like, we perceive it to be a threat, but it's not actually a threat, I, like, jump into mom mode and I'm, like, ready to defend. So, like, I want to believe that that's what I would do if I was there with, like, a group of people. Because, like, that's definitely not how my mama is. No. Like, she'll defend her children, but, like, at the same time, she's kind of a little timid and she's so sweet she makes your teeth hurt. Like, she's a special kind of person. And I have always been that, like, you do not threaten my family. You do not threaten my sisters. We had a conversation about people yelling at our children. Like, that's my immediate response. So, like, if I was in a group of people, like, I want to believe that, like, I wouldn't be like that, but I don't know because I haven't had any kind of, like physical confrontation with a spirit while I'm with a group of people. So, I don't know. So, I want to go to the USS Hornet, but at the same time, there's so many visual claims, I don't know if I could handle it, but I guess the only way we'd find out is if we went. And by we, I mean me and Mama Anderson's, because I don't think I'd be getting DQ on the ship. Look, look, look. I'm perfectly fine. For the few times, because, like, I mean, I feel like it would make great content, but at the same time, knowing my luck, I'd be like, you know what? I came on here, nothing happened that I saw, and then, like, y'all would be, like, huddled up, and then, like, what happened? You didn't see that? Well, no, guys, I was in another room. <laughs> and I didn't want to see it. Thank you. Like, it'll be, like, the whole, like, picture thing from, uh, from, uh, the Christmas party. Like, y'all would be involved in, like, everything, and I would, like, barely miss it every time. It's like, y'all go somewhere else. I'm like, I literally, like, just leave the room, go to a different room, and y'all go in that room, and then, like, something happens. And y'all would be like, oh, my God. I scared and the then I piss pop- out of myself. Huh? I just scared the piss out of myself. what you do? Okay, well, I'm not used to living in an apartment. And I'm on the bottom floor, which means there's people that live above me. And we're sitting here talking about ghosts. And, like, the heater went off, and I just, like, heard movement behind me, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't turn around, I can't turn around, I can't turn around, and then I turned around, and there was nothing there, and I took my headphones off, and it's the people moving upstairs. (laughs) But I legit was like, oh, God. I can't turn around, I can't turn around, I can't turn around, turns around. But I'm, like, sitting here, because I'm recording on my laptop, but I'm sitting here in front of Apollo and my gaming monitors that have a reflection I can see behind me. And I didn't even think to look in them. I was just, like, frozen. See, that's, but I'm alone. I mean, I'm on the phone with you, but, like, I am physically alone. That is what I do. Don't worry. I'm pretty sure even after Thea moves in, it's going to be the exact same thing. It's like, like, someone else is here. But if you're going to freeze us, like, it's behind me. She's in her own room. <laughs> okay. So I have two stories to read to you that are from, uh, what website is that? Hold on. I forgot to, like, write it on this piece of paper that I printed out. Plays a rest? No, I'm joking. 
It's not, it's not Toys R Us. I mean, worth a shot. It's its.caltech.edu. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caltech is in, like, California Technical Institute. Um, so you can go on this website, and it's just, like, a form where people, like, submit their ghost stories from the USS Hornet. Mm-hmm. But there's another website that I found that, like, literally is just stories from people who have served or stayed on battleships that were haunted, and they kind of just, like, talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the first story I'm going to read was written by a lady named Kathleen. None of these have dates on them. Like, sometimes the stories will have a date in the story. Like, I was here, uh, the second one I'm going to read says that it was, like, February 20, uh, 2009. So, but, like, I don't know exactly when some of these, this story happened. But Kathleen... Uh, says, and quote, My husband and I went with my aunt to tour the USS Hornet. At the end of the day, when the tours were closing down, my husband drug me off into a section of the ship that was obviously not open to tourists. The hallways were dark. The side rooms had bed frames just tossed into them. Debris was strewn all over the floor like a trash heap. I was getting nervous that I'm also going to editorialize some here because there's some grammatical errors that I just cannot deal with. (laughs) (laughs) Continuing, I was getting nervous that we would either get lost or get into trouble for being in a section that was closed. Suddenly, a full uniformed officer came around the corner. I knew for sure that we were in trouble. He walked past us, though. He never made any eye contact, no acknowledgement of our presence whatsoever. He then turned into one of the rooms about 10 feet ahead of us, and we followed behind him. And when passing the side room that he went into, again, piled high with bed frames and whatnot, he was just gone. I told my husband we had to get out of there. Just then, my camera crashed to the floor. The camera came apart from the strap. I have owned this camera for eight years. Never before and never since has the camera come off its strap. I think, ba- as I think back now, or as I, th- oh my god, this is so poorly written. When I think back on this now, I think what set alarms off in my head was the lack of air movement as this apparition walked by. There was no acknowledgement that we were even there. I truly believe we saw a ghost. (laughs) That was a little rough. But, I mean, I was trying not to say it in that way. But, like, when I kept saying that, like, people see the apparitions or the shadow figures and they can hear the footsteps, but there's no other indication that they were really there. It's because, like, they walk past you. There's no flow of air. There's no displacement of the atmosphere around you in any way there's no smell like you can't hear him breathing like nothing but i didn't want to say it like that because i knew one of the stories kind of worded it that way yes but that um sounds because like it's like he takes me off to another section like ah, mistake number one that right (laughs) you never veer from the path yeah but i feel like you'd be this i feel like you'd almost do the exact same thing at least 
was you're like, oh, what's this over here? This is kind of like, this looks kind of... I have too much anxiety for that. You also have too much anxiety to leave me, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. You, those are your exact I mean, I, words. I didn't say you specifically. Oh, I just said, look. I just said, I have too much anxiety to leave a relationship. Look, I, I'm going to take what I heard and twist it to my own will. All right. But, that That's fine. That's fine. Okay. But no, just like, I feel like either that or I could convince you to be like, hey, hey, take a look at this. And I would go against every horror movie trope ever where it's just like, don't do that. And then like, look, you saw something. And like, you're like, now let's go back. And I'm like, I thought you were paying attention. I don't know where I'm doing. And then lo and behold, we are now ghosts. <laughs> and now we're the ghosts haunting the USS Hornet. But we are not military personnel. We're dumb tourists. Yeah, but like, it's like, it's like, it's like, we didn't even die. It's just like, it's like, you know how them, like, them, like, back in the day, like, ghost stories, like, yeah, like, I was doing this, and next thing I know, I went to say something, they couldn't hear me. I was a ghost now, and I'm like, I crossed over, and I'm like, wait, you died? It's like, okay, that sucks. Okay, so the next story was written by, or submitted by a man named Bob um, Ice. The builder. Uh, not Ice is in, like, I-C-E, um, but it's E-I-E-S-S, so I'm pronouncing it as ICE because that is the most appropriate way I could think to spell it that didn't sound like a German name, uh, or not spell it, say it, um, but he is in the Coast Guard and he does live in Alameda, California, so he's been on the ship, I think more than once, but this might have been one of the first times that he was on the ship. Uh, he wrote, he wrote, uh, in early February t- 2009, I was volunteering on the USS Hornet with a group of my fellow, uh, U.S. Coast Guardsmen. I'm not quite sure if that's the appropriate way to say that, but we're gonna move on. We were painting a compartment, and a few of us were wearing white Tevec paper suits. I don't know what those are. Yeah, I don't know either. I was uh, like, who's it? <laughs> When our paint started running low, I went off in search of the... Oh, I know why that's important. Okay. They they were wearing white Tevec paper suits. I don't know what a paper suit, suit is, but it's white, and that's important. So, he says, when our paint started running low, I went off in search of the Hornet worker that was supplying our paint, and I got lost in the process. As I wandered through the passageways, I came off a side passage, and side is in quotations, Mm -hmm. a side passage onto the starboard main passageway, one deck below the hangar deck. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw what I thought was one of my coworkers stepping off the main hall onto another side passageway, about 25 feet away from me. I called out to him, but he kept walking, and when I got to the hall he stepped into, there was a chain blocking the entrance, and it was an empty compartment. Needless to say, I was very confused, but I kept walking and eventually found my way back to the room that we had been painting. When I saw the co-worker I thought I had seen earlier, I mentioned to him that I had called to him in the passageway, but he told me he hadn't left the room for about an hour. Later, when I mentioned this to the Hornet employees, one lady said that I had seen the dress white's ghost. Apparently, an apparition of a sailor wearing his dress whites walking around the main hallways. I love how it's just like, yeah, it's a, yeah we have a name for that one. 
<laughs> but it's significant because the guy, some of them were in, like, white suits. And so he assumed it was somebody he knew, mm-hmm. but then it turned out not to be. Uh, look, I feel like what gave it away was, oh, he went this way, chained up. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I don't know what kind of chain it was, but if it's just, like, a low-hanging chain, he could have just, like, stepped over it. True. and he went back into the room being like dude i called your name like why didn't you answer me and the guy's like i haven't left so that's probably what like tipped him off that this was not normal or especially if like there was some of the a couple of his other friends in there and then is that looking like did you go somewhere (laughs) it's like it's like (laughs) yeah it's like no i've been here like with y'all it's like we thought so then man you tripping Mm-hmm. Yeah, but oh my gosh, it's like yeah. Then it's like yeah. Oh, that's just and it's just like oh, that's just this ghost. And I'm just like, oh. Mm-hmm. You just yeah. Cause think about it. you know you know something's up like something's been going on when they say oh that's just the ghost that does this or dresses in this. And I'm just like, but you never that never implies that that's the only ghost. It just implies that's the one we named something else. Yeah. Which, at that point, that's like saying if I was here. And it's like, oh, that's just the ghost that does this. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's the <laughs> ghost? I'm like, what's the other one? Yeah, there's so many. Um, but that is where I'm going to stop for the USS Hornet in Alameda, California. Because, like I said, I could go on for days. There are literally hundreds of ghost stories submitted on that website, which some of them were pretty, like, terribly written and didn't really sound... Good. Not good. They just, like, didn't sound like... Like, to me, like, some of that wasn't really how, like, ghosts work. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, I don't really know that... Of course, like, there's no way to guarantee that any of this is real, but I chose to... Two that were substantiated by other claims by other people and the co and the workers on the ship. There are literally hundreds that you can go read. So we already know how DQ feels. Always the exact same way. <laughs> well, this is a ship made of metal. I don't think you can burn it down. Look, I just need a little bit of jet. Anyway, no. Um, there's jet fuel on the ship. So don't tell me I can't burn it down. It'll just take a lot longer. <laughs> or it won't burn at all. It will just smolder. Look, look, look. As long as fire's being drawn, I think I've accomplished my job. All right, I'll give you that. But one. the issue is this: this will be the one time I have to be very specific on where I started it at. Because <laughs> if I do it at the top, I'm an idiot. Because then I really can't get out. Yeah. Because <laughs> then it's like, all right. Oh, no, I just go out that side door. Duh. Look, look, I'm already thinking. Oh, but no, like, you start at the bottom and just... One of the things. side doors. Hey. <clears throat> oh, no, no, my luck. It'd be like, I'm running, trying to get out, and then, like, one of the ghosts pop up, and I'm like, all right, that's right, that's the way I came. And then the ghost, like, leads me back to the fire. It's like, nah, fam. <laughs> no, you set this. You need to put it out now. Please. It's like, like, please. I'm like, um, it, I started this on, no. I started this on like the bottom floor. We're on like the second floor. There's no stopping that now. <laughs> yeah, nope. 
always no. In this case, Seneca wouldn't burn it down. It's like if anything crazy happened, just go up. We're changing it up, guys. We're not burning it down. <laughs> We're just gonna go out the side door into the bay. I'll take the dysentery. <laughs> guys, I have to tell you about something that happened at work today. Oh God. It didn't really happen like to anybody I work with or whatever, but. I got in my car this morning and I'm having a sad day where like I just kind of feel sad and I was thinking about some things and I was like, you know what, I need to laugh. So I put on wine and crime and laugh I did. But the really funny part didn't come until like the second because uh, it was a Gossip at the Courts card episode, which is like a like a sideshow that they do. Yeah. Um, but they have like different segments and Kenyon's segment for the gossip at the corpse card is like the middle segment which I guess she has the middle segment in the regular episodes too but like I made it through Amanda's segment on my commute and then I started finishing the episode when I got to my desk and one of the stories that she was telling because like a listener wrote it into her I was laughing so hard I legit got in trouble like it had to do with dysentery, which is why it was on my mind. But, like, the funny, like, the funniest part wasn't even, like, the story. I mean, the story was hilarious, but, it, like, it happened a really long time ago. So, even though it was kind of, like, that poor person, mm-hmm. it was hilarious. Which, I mean, they laugh about it now, too. But, like, Amanda's reactions were just pure gold, and I, like, could not take it. Like, my boss literally was just like, you're having too much fun over there, and, like, people are complaining about your laughing. Like, you're laughing too loud. You're laughing too loud and get in trouble. And I was, like, trying so hard to laugh so quiet, but, like, I was squeaking because I don't have a voice, and it's still, like, 8 o'clock in the morning. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was just like, what is going on? And I was like, it's inappropriate for work, so I can't tell you what I'm listening to, but it's really funny. (laughs) But yeah, so that happened today. And it is the Gossip at the Corpse Cart episode for December of 2021. Go listen to it if you need to know what I am talking about. (sighs) But think that's where we are going to cut it off for tonight because we had 45 minutes of chit chat at the beginning. Jordan, you got to go to work tomorrow. I do have to go to work tomorrow. I don't get to sleep in. What do you mean? I don't get to sleep in either. Bull corn. Now now you're still in my lines now? (laughs) Well, I'm trying not to cuss. Yeah, do your mother proud. Hmm. I try. I fail, but I try. You know she's proud of you. You know she's like, oh my goodness, Jordan's the princess of the group. Why can't I just have boys? And I'm just like, look, I've accepted. This is the princess, and this is what I gotta do. I'm the princess of the group. It ain't a lie, but I'm also the one who pulled and backed up a trailer all day. I mean, have you seen some of the newer Disney princesses? No. I mean, yes, I have, and I am all there for it exactly so you're basically just you're part of that <laughs> Mhm. but all right my little oddlings i keep forgetting that we named you guys i keep forgetting that's a thing okay uh, okay. i think this is episode 12 i could be wrong but uh this has been a fearful earful please come back 
yes, please come back. Hopefully, next episode, we will not have 45 minutes of chit-chat. At the beginning. And now that... At the beginning, yeah. And then, like... My recording setup is now in a stationary place since I'm not a nomad anymore. Uh, so I should I should have a lot. It should be a lot easier to get uh, mini episodes out because I have like three recorded, but I don't like any of them because like the audio is really terrible for whatever reason. So that's why those haven't come out. I know I've been promising them and I'm very, very sorry. She's gonna like release them in like rapid fire. Hey, I'm just gonna put like five mini episodes out at a time. Hit like all at once. Here's the like last like four months worth or like four months worth of like mini episodes that I've been promising you that like I re recorded like eight times because the audio quality was terrible because I was always at someone else's house or traveling. So, but yeah, okay, so. Be on the lookout for those mini episodes. Um, Starting to sound like we don't need a DQ's corner because he made his views very obvious. The, the mini episodes are starting to sound a lot like I don't know if you would have got the reference. Those sound like Duke Nukem Forever when they kept saying, "Oh, it's going to come out," and then like it finally came out like a whole like twenty years later. <laughs> There's a lot of things that could go into that reference. Gosh. Or that that reference could be about. Yeah, that is also true. So, yep. We're just gonna leave it at that. DQ's gonna get to go to bed and sleep in in the morning, and Jordan is not. And it's gonna be, like, 20 degrees. But it's gonna feel like it's in the teens because of wind chill. And we live in Texas, so, like, it was 70 degrees yesterday. Uh-huh. It's okay. We had the lightning. We no had lightning. Why. We have lightning and rain out of nowhere. I would love lightning and rain out of nowhere. I sleep with two fans on and a sleep app that plays rain sounds on my phone every night. But this is, we're, we're slowly getting to the conversation about things I just need to know now. No, wait. Well, I only started doing that because I've been here at the apartment by myself. Because Thea hasn't moved in yet. Oh, before we go... Like, her stuff is here, but, like... Yeah. She's not, like, sleeping here, because, like, she's moving in slowly. I was going to so. reference, I was like, before we, got, before we go, it's like, I was going to crack the joke about, like, how Jordan said... I had said something to Jordan. I dang it, I don't know what it is now. I would be able to check my phone, my phone's, like, kaput. And I remember you're sitting like, oh, I had something else to say, but it was like, it's, it's too much sass this early. And I was like, it's never too early. It's like if I got it. It's like, it's like if I can't handle the sass, I can't handle. I can't handle anything. And you're like, all right. It's like I'm gonna save on this. Uh, I told you what I was gonna say, and it was not nice. Look, it's okay. And then I just negative. He's sitting there. It's like not with these cheesy love alive like that. And I'm like, oh my god. Oh, is that when you were like, will you be my valentine or whatever? But this was like, wait, it was like, wait, at this when I was hitting you with all them cheesy pickup lines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's And it. then you were like, and, and you were like, not with, a, not with a line like that. And I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, he asked for it, though. That is true. Like, I just gotta. 
Like, just know that as sassy as I am, there is some sort of filter where I'm like, mm, probably shouldn't say that out loud. Because it's either way too sassy or it's just insulting and I think it's funny, but no one else will. Broke somebody at the reception. I'm like, oh my god, that was too far. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's the wedding. Yeah, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> Cause uh, I just might. Oh. Wow. Yeah. So we are just planted, gonna leave you there. Oh god, I planted the seed. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I can edit it out. It's fine. I probably won't, but I could. You can find us on Twitter at a earful capital A E. We are not on Instagram as of yet. But you can find Jordan on Instagram and Twitter at perfectly underscore wild with an E. And me, DQ, on Twitter at D-A-Q-U-I-N-T-O-N, capital A, N-D-E-R-S, so it's the Quentin Anders, and DQ04 on Instagram. Our Facebook is a fearful earful, all one word. And you can email us your creepy stories or topic suggestions at... A fearful earful pod at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, the best way to support the show is to leave us a review on iTunes, share with everyone you know, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. A fearful earful was created by me, Jordan Anderson, with co host DQ Anderson. All A Fearful Earful art was created by Gerilyn Anderson, my sister, and music is by One Wave, licensed through Premium Beat.